Welcome to episode 5, a few notes about colour from the studio table. If one says red. Colours and their associations are deeply etched into the earliest recollections of my 1960s and 70s childhood. The first being a turquoise oyster satin bridesmaid's dress I wore as a five-year-old. And then the other dresses, strangely textured pale teal crimpoline, mint green crochet and acid yellow Easter dresses, all in matching pairs worn by my sister and I. There was a red coat with black buttons, age six, a black coat with red piping, age 12, coloured ribbons to tie up my long hair into a ponytail, a pink gingham school uniform in summer and a maroon blazer for winter. Growing up in leafy suburbia, the kind with rose gardens in the front of the houses, colour was always somehow adjacent to concrete paving and partnered to that steady mix of boredom, stillness, safety and repetition. It was the punch of manufactured colours in print, objects and fabrics that created an insistent response in me. Vinyl wallpapers, strangely lurid, coloured lithographic images in cookery books and magazines, squeaky cellophane sweet wrappers, and the kaleidoscopic clatter of felt pens for colouring in. The interiors of the homes we lived in were confidently and colourfully decorated by my parents. Purple velvet bedroom curtains, a sunny yellow kitchen table, pale blue kitchen cupboards in one home, navy blue in another. These colour memories carry with them the quality of the surfaces. Shiny, tacky, smooth, woven, waxy, cool, glossy, glassy, leathery. The experience of colour for me is intense and personal. It holds, repeats and initiates narrative. It recalls place. It is material. I'm not particularly nostalgic about these references, I mention early impressions only to express the impact colour encounters have had on me. The response is sensory. Soft, velvety brown is quiet, and violet magenta rings like a tapped crystal glass. Orange looms in too close, and I feel muffled around earth colours, the umbers and siennas of warmer climates. Lemon yellow rings clear and clean. Viridian, a colour one fine art tutor told me never to use, but never why, is as cool and deep as an 18th century plunge pool and a favourite of mine. As an art foundation student in the 80s, I worked using gouache painted paper on the Joseph Albers inspired colour exercises, my first venture into understanding colour behaviour and colour perception, colour magic. At the time, I didn't know that these lessons, as well as other exercises, were lifted from and would forever connect me to the Bauhaus preliminary course. The aim of Alba's colour course, as detailed in Interaction of Colour, which often sits on the studio table, were for the student to develop an eye for colour. Alba said, this means specifically seeing colour action as well as feeling colour relatedness. As anyone who has worked with these exercises or seen versions of the colour relations in optical illusion books, it is easy to see why Albers refers to colours as deceitful. They are not always what they seem. A colour is not what it declares itself to be, but how it is seen and how it is perceived, and then when, where and by whom it is perceived. Subjective and beguilingly suggestive. 
In her lecture on colour given in 2014 at the Whitney Museum of American Art, Amy Silman says, and I quote, This is what interests me the most about colour. It has its own problems, vexations and characters. The fact is that colour theory is not a theory. It is merely a description for our protean world of our sensations or an attempted prediction of what might happen next. For Silman, colour operates, I quote, as the engine of changes in my work, and I work really slowly, making radical colour overhauls as I go along. It is the process of change and changes that are where her paintings are initiated, scraped back and re-energised through paint. For me, colour performs the role as a leading clue, and I employ it carefully and deliberately as a positioning tool. I use the code and feel of the colour to specifically mark out an alternative place, a mixing of references to create a potential territory, to play with the associations of colour, to relayer time and deal with the complexities of my art practice and ideas. The foundation of my own palette is industrial. I particularly like the modern mineral pigments. I admire and enjoy the work of artists whose reference and pigments are rooted in nature. I start with something found on a page or in a building or a chart. It's an urban rather than a rural colour setting and palette and always grey nearby. Albers, in his introduction, encourages us that in regard to colour, what counts here, first and last, is not so-called knowledge of so-called facts, but vision-seeing, a seeing that is coupled with fantasy and imagination. He says, This searching will lead from visual realisation of the interaction between colour and colour to an awareness of the interdependence of colour with form and placement, with quantity, with quality, and with pronouncement. For the last year, I've been exploring the colour world that I can build and journey in from three tubes of paint that I found in a box that I'd forgotten about for some years, a yellow, a violet and a blue. I'm using these along with black and white. The arena that I find myself in with these colours has a couple of limitations, no pillar box red for example. This is okay, there are other coordinates I can use and I am content to remain and push at the possibilities of these hues and their interactions for some time yet. Thank you for listening to this episode. Do take a look at the Instagram page for this podcast, which is at studiotable underscore Marian Piper, or follow along with my work at Marian underscore Piper. And please do get in touch. I'd love to hear from you.